This is The Cole Memo. I'm your host, Cole Preston. Every episode is released in audio, video, and transcript format. To find the transcript, audio, or video version of any episode, please refer to the description of the episode that you're listening to. Within that description, you can find a link that will take you to our website, which will display the transcript for this episode and the platforms where you can find this episode in audio or video formats. If you're unable to locate the episode description on whichever platform you're listening from, simply note the episode number and visit thecolememo.com. From there, you can find the corresponding episode and then you'll be able to access the audio, video, and transcript version of the episode. You might also find any links that we referenced during the episode so that you might be able to do your own research. If you're not listening to this episode of The Cole Memo on Patreon, then you're listening to this episode later than our patrons. To become a patron, go to thecolememo.com slash Patreon. Once again, that's thecolememo.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It's a great way to support, to support our show. One of the best ways to support our show is free. Share it with your friends, subscribe, follow, leave a positive rating, all of that good stuff. Today is November 9th, 2023. The third time's a charm over here, I think, I hope. Uh, I've tried to record this podcast a few times. My internet is just fucked. Phil, I'm going to join the future. Uh, fiber is now available in my area. No more latency, hopefully. Anyways, Phil, uh, say hi to uh, our audience. Hello. Thanks for joining me tonight, and thanks for being patient with me and my technology. I know, you know, we've tried to do this a few nights, so thank you for bearing with me. Hey, we all have neighbors that drive into power lines and out, you know, <laughs> put out our internet. <laughs> yeah. So for folks that are watching the episode, if you notice, like if my voice is behind my video over here, uh, it's because I'm speaking off of my phone and uh, just wanted to explain that if it's driving you insane, because I'm going to be screen sharing today. We've got an exclusive report. Some of this information was shared on my former show. Uh, the Chillinoy podcast. This is going to be exclusive to the coal memo, and it has to do with uh, cultivator and dispensary fines that were issued by the state of Illinois to licensed cannabis cultivators in the state, right? And so uh, this came about from a FOIA that I released. Um, since you're listening to this on Patreon, you're getting this information before it was even published on my website, but this is going to be one of the first text reports I've ever published, and that's what I'll be screen sharing today. Um, just a little bit of recap, Phil, and listeners. I'll lay it out here in the, or I lay it out here in the report. On July 22nd, 2020, an article published on Gronan reported that the state of Illinois had issued fines to cultivators in the year's 2019 to that and 2020. Unfortunately, this article from Grown In seems to have been removed from their website. So to access that archived version of the report as it was originally published, you can just paste the link, which I've got in this article. You can paste it into the Wayback Machine and you can read it as it was published, but you don't need to necessarily because I've pasted the information from it in this article. 
to in order to kind of retain the data or archive it, if you will. So below you can see the results of their FOIA. And uh, Phil, just revisiting this, it's been a while. Any any uh, funny thoughts? Anything that stands out? You remember this, right? Mm hmm. Interesting stuff here. It's hilarious what you get charged for in the state. Now, were did we say there were ones after these? Correct. There right. are ones yeah. after these. Yep. And we'll be uh, sharing that. And I've also uncovered. You remember when we talked about this in the past, and I'll lay this out in our recap, but when we talked about this in the past, the state made it clear that the data they did provide me excluded all fines that were rendered confidential, right? Today, we're going to be, I, I made the argument that they should still be able to turn those fines over to me, um, but in a redacted format. You know, if they're concerned about anonymity, well, okay, redact the information that you're concerned about but i still think in the interest of the public you should be able to tell me what fines you've issued right because that's that's what i'm trying to get the general idea of it's like when you ask police how many speeding tickets have you issued i think they should be able to say that yeah they don't necessarily need to tell you who they're for but it's still interesting to know like how many people are being cited what they're being cited for how much those fines cost people. Mm -hmm. And even if this is the way I view that. And again, we'll get to, if you don't, if you're not sure what, what we're talking about yet, I'll be recapping some of this information. When you think about what I understand, so this, this process that we're referring to, right. That renders these things confidential. The analog that I was thinking of is like, I've gotten a speeding ticket in the past, right. And I was given the option to remediate <laughs> that, for lack of better words. In other words, I go to... I like that you, like that you call it remediate. <laughs> I, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I went to uh, traffic school with a really cool professor. That's, aside, that's beside the point. Um, it, it was a good time. But again, that's beside the point. I was able to get that off of my record as a result of just complying with the the offer that they gave me right like it's like you've got this one offense on your record but if you go to traffic school you can get it off of your record uh as long as after you take the traffic school um you know you don't get like another ticket within the next nine months or something right otherwise you'll have two tickets on your record anyways um that's that's kind of what i was so even if that was the case, I still feel like they should be able to, like, even if you've remediated your speeding ticket, I still think my speeding ticket should be included in that total number, right? You follow? Sorry, I, I brought up that example and then I got so deep into no, it. No, yeah, totally. But isn't it also yeah. funny that, like, this freedom of information process is not, like, it's not something that, like, has standards. It's like, you put in a request and they're like, nah, we don't want to give you that. And then right. you come back at them and you say, well, but why don't you want to give me that? And then they'll say, like, you know, and, or, or like, maybe you could give me this. And it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, we'll give you that. But it, it's mm -hmm. just like, it's just funny. Like you hear Freedom of Information Act, Freedom of Information Act requests. You just assume like 
but there's like games played in <laughs> that space. <laughs> yeah. And you'll see, you might say that you'll see some of that and in, in what I'm about to um, share. So the FOIA requests that I'm about to outline were inspired by this grown in request. Right. And they were among the first I've ever submitted. I'm happy to tease that one of the FOIA, one of my first FOIA requests that's not mentioned in this article or in this episode will be included in a forthcoming article and episode scheduled for future publication. Um, but the FOIA requests, again, that, I, that we're about to talk about were inspired by this grown in report. Um, and it looks like I've got that paragraph twice. This is a good, you know, little exercise for me to proofread. Um, so just ignore that folks. Again, you're seeing this before I published it. Um, anyways, I thought that this request would be simple because of the fact that they granted it. And so I kind of mentioned that in my FOIA request, here's the full text of my FOIA request. And in my FOIA request, after I ask everything, I just acknowledge the department's past commitment to transparency as evidenced by previous FOIA requests made by entities like grownin.com. I said their successful request for information on similar topics demonstrates the department's willingness to provide essential data to the public. I thought that was important to just acknowledge that. You know, there are humans on the other end of this email. Um, so it's funny, anybody that knows anything about cannabis policy might see a shortcoming in my FOIA request, and I'll be candid about what it was here in a moment. Um, but this is the document that IDFPR responded to me with. It will be in the um, report. And basically, with regard to my request for cultivators, it was denied. Fines for cultivators, it was denied because the department does not license cultivators, right? So that's what I was alluding to earlier. Anybody that knows anything about cannabis policy might have been laughing about the fact that I even asked for fines related to cultivators yeah, yeah geez cole don't you know there's 14 different regulatory bodies in illinois that oversee <laughs> cannabis <laughs> right right oh that's funny and yeah. they couldn't just like and that's what i'm saying is like they can't just like pass it on to the department of ag they have to send it back to you and be like oh, you didn't send this to the right person yeah yeah and like then they're, they're not looking to help you <laughs> no i mean they gave me the they gave me the email address you know oh okay well actually that's not bad then yeah please i would have assumed talking. i would have assumed they just turned it back and were like Meh. yeah yeah now regarding the dispensary fines they just gave me a link and they said look this information's public so here because these records are online fpr is not required by FOIA to produce these records. So while they weren't required, they still pointed me to where I'm looking for that. And that's where we did that episode in the past. All, if I can remember, I will link it in the podcast description, folks. If you don't really want to dig through all these reports, you can watch Phil and I recap them. Man, it is crazy. I need to get a new camera. It's crazy how wide I look on these uh, uh, as a result. Oh, I'm not even, uh, am I even sharing the right screen over here? Let's see. What um there we go. Does it cost money to submit these requests? 
Well, so that's one thing that folks should be aware of. Yeah, I basically made clear in this that, uh, you know, I viewed this request being made in the public interest, given that I believe the release of this information is in the public interest. Therefore, I request a, f a waiver of any fees associated with the request. But I do say, and I think this is important for people, always include language like this. If there are fees associated with the request, please inform me in advance of fulfilling the request. Don't just send me an invoice, right? Um, but yes, that to answer your that... question, I guess, yes. Yeah, it can result in like that. I was given the impression <laughs> that that could happen. And so that's why I included that language. Well, because usually when you hear about uh, freedom of information, it's like, newspapers and journalists making those requests who you would assume like are having those costs covered by the paper yeah so yeah i just I think, was curious like what the costs associated with this kind of thing can be yeah now this is i think unrelated and you'll say of course you might say of course to this but one thing that you know we've seen and i think it's important to like talk about just for a moment is that we've seen like Chicago Tribune tried to get some of this data, which, you know, related to licensing <laughs> or whatever else, and they get denied because of the fact that the CRTA basically exempts that information from FOIA, which is crazy, as we've talked about in the past, that you can just do that. Um, so, yeah, when, so, it, when it's not like a national security thing. Right. <laughs> Like right. there's like there's no plausible reason to keep that information private. <laughs> yeah. So um, what I was going to say is that, and again, you might say, of course, Cole, why, why even make this point? But just so for folks that are wondering, you know, I'm sure that because I read that the Chicago Tribune took the state to court, you know, to try to get that money. And of course, you're going to have to pay for legal representation in that context. But back to your original question. Yeah, it's unclear to me, like if if you would actually get fined by the state for a request, if it was like, let's say too burdensome, for example, um, which uh, funny, I bring that up. They actually did deny part of one of my requests, I think, because it was quote too burdensome. And there's actually like uh, language in the law that defines what too burdensome is. And uh, I'm trying to see if it's in this one or, um, but anyways, uh, that's what I figured it might be. But again, I, I don't really have a good answer to your question. So here's the, uh, so I asked for any correspondence notices or reports related to the aforementioned fines, including the reasons for each fine and entities or individuals find date of each fine, blah, blah, you know, and they denied it. While much of this information is available on the above noted site, the request for, quote, any correspondence, notice, or reports is vague and unduly burdensome. For the department to properly respond, you must reasonably describe the needed records with, sufficiently spec with sufficient specificity for IDFPR to determine what records are being requested. See Tribune versus IDFPR. Funny that we talk about. The Tribune, and right? There yeah, yeah. Like you got to be like specific enough that they can't come back at you and be like, "That's not specific." Yeah, 
because I've wondered stuff about that. Like, you know, there's so many like things that it would be interesting to freedom. Like I've told so I've you got about a good idea of one, and we'll just I'll put it out there. Uh, well, but like I've I've told you about that guy that that FOIA'd Lori Lightfoot's texts, right? Like he Yeah. would FOIA her text messages just to find out like her, like her side of all of these different disputes she was having and stuff. But like, so yeah, you can FOIA that because I guess that would be a specific thing, right? You say I want to see the mayor's text messages between this date and this date. Right. True. Yeah. I was Or still maybe about it would have to be like pertaining to something, you know, like that. But Yeah. That's what were yeah. you going to say? Like your idea for something would be. Oh yeah. Yeah. My idea would be like, so I was requested to give a presentation on the medical cannabis cultivation laws by the state of Illinois. And during that presentation, they displayed a PowerPoint and I have a picture of the first slide of that PowerPoint, which has the date, the name, everything I would need to FOIA it specifically. And I really would like that because in that, I've never seen the state so clearly define what an enclosed area is because they've made it very clear that you can't just like build a shed in your backyard to grow weed. Like it has to have like a power line ran to it and like plumbing or something in order for it to be defined as an act. I, I'm saying it totally off the top of my head, so I might be wrong, but I just remember hearing it and doing exactly what you just did. Like they've Yeah, like brought me on as the presenter and I'm supposed to be like cool and stuff. And I'm like, they say that and I'm like, what? Yeah, I mean, who would even think that? And the fact that that's not like something they put out there, that's Yeah, so that's I, I would like bothersome. to FOIA that because I have I know like you know what date that was <laughs> and I know that they have a they had a PowerPoint yeah, so like there has to be a there that has to be somewhere. Yeah. So you know, as I said in response to my request, IDFPR clarified request the records I requested are basically public. We went through them, but you can find them online. I've got them linked uh in the article that I'll be releasing um and you can check them out and like i said i'll put a link if i can remember uh, of the episode where phil and i went through those finds and the pretty funny stuff and i i remember we had pretty funny it was good commentary on it so um again idfpr does not oversee cultivator licenses so they clarified that in light of this they suggested i redirect my inquiry to IDOA, the Illinois Department of Agriculture. So I did. Here is my FOIA text for IDOA. Same thing. I, you know, ba I, it's basically exactly the same language. Um, so I just made it specific that I was talking about cannabis cultivators instead of dispensaries this time because they, I didn't want them to waste their time and denying me on that, you know, because that's for IDFVR or whatever. Um, and on September 7th, I received a response that they were extending the deadline. So they're supposed to respond to me within a certain period of time, but they extended that deadline. And then on September 12th, they said that, um, oh, did I lose you, Phil? Are you still No, there? you're good. Okay, cool. Um, so on September 12th,
they got back to me and basically said that they have attached a document with fines that were not rendered confidential through the consent order process. Now, remember that, folks, because this is the new information that, that I'm going to be uh, releasing today. So, but let's get through this for a moment. I'm not going to go through the whole response that they gave. That's why I'm publishing it all so you guys can see it. Because a lot of it is basically them just denying me and citing the law and why they're denying <laughs> And that I have the right to challenge them, which remember that because I ended up doing that. I was like, oh, let's see what, it, what it's like. Um, so the PDF that the, the department provided me is here. We've shared this information online before. This is a new information, but this was information that, that we published. It's really cool to have contributed, contributed to cannabis history in that way. Phil, kudos to us. You know, this information did not exist publicly uh, before we started nosing around. So, um, well, and isn't that just like part of like, why isn't this public information? They have this stuff. Yeah, I I mean my only guess is, and and I get and this this was my hypothesis, and I'll admit that by the end of the show, and maybe if you'd like me to clarify later what I mean, by the end of the show you could maybe argue that this hypothesis is weak, but my hypothesis is that you don't publish this data because if this consent to whatever process and that's basically what i'm going to call it every time i fucking refer to it consent order process if this exists what i understand it to mean is that this could happen at almost any time and so they don't want to publish a list and then you know take things off the list because then but you can still FOIA it at any point and get like a snapshot of it what do you what do you mean? Oh, like true. You saying, Fair enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like so keep like, uh, like, for example, to your point, sorry, just to make sure I understand your question. Are you saying are you suggesting like maybe I FOIA this again in like a month or two and see if any disappear off the list? Because that's what I right. Well, or maybe not like how can you blow it up a bit? Sure. Yeah. One second. Like just looking at the dates of it, like how far apart are these spread out? Oh, that's the date paid. Sorry. This is the date of the fine issued. So, you know. Are you able to see that? Well, sorry. Well, it just seems like, are, do these companies just not care to get these scrubbed from their record or like. (laughs) And that's so. I'm wondering here because it says in appropriate cases, the department may resolve a complaint through issuance of a consent to administrative supervision order. So maybe some of these things are not like eligible to be. Right. But that's that's where I wonder. It's like, how do you make that determination? You know, it must be like just by what type of find it is. Right. You'd think that. You'd think that, and that's that's basically what we're going to have. Oh, sorry if my sound got a little weird there. That's basically what we're going to have to keep in mind here because, you know, given the information that is available, you know, it's like, I wonder, do they have, like, 
list it out like hypothetically if you do this it's fifty thousand dollars if you do this it's like or do they just come up with it on the fly i would assume it's like that they know it beforehand yeah and i wonder here because it says violations listed out so maybe if we look into the law here you could like find that it's listed fifty thousand dollars for violation of this or something I bet you that's what it is. So, yeah. Um, like I said, though, uh, the department's response was really informative. It produced uh, previously unfamiliar information. You know, information we've never seen before. Uh, but the part that particularly caught my attention was uh, their explicit mention of please see attached document listing fines that were not rendered confidential through the consent order process. That statement piqued my curiosity. It led me to wonder if there are alternative means of obtaining that information. I began to wonder, you know, can they provide that information with the personal identifiers redacted? In other words, if confidentiality is the concern, well, just take out names. Tell me what happened. I just want to know, like, generally speaking, what are cultivators being fined with? I feel like that this is the best look that we've ever gotten at that. Um, so with that in mind, I, again, this comes from a genuine desire to gain a general, genuine understanding of the department's regulatory actions. I don't need the specific personal information. So I, in my article, I, I, we kind of already said this, but I assumed they might consider providing the information in a redacted format, similar to how law enforcement agencies share crime data, such as the number of burglaries or drug re related incidents while protecting oftentimes individual privacy. Oftentimes though, as we've read on the show, they don't do that. They don't protect anybody's privacy. So I wondered if the department could just provide insights into the types of charges imposed on cultivators without disclosing those identifiers. So I responded and said to fulfill my request, can you provide fines that were originally considered confidential, but in an not, I can't say this word, I knew I was going to have trouble, anonymized format. Boom, hit it out of the park. As, you, really, you really knocked that out of the park, Cole. Yes. <laughs> as rendered confidential through the consent order process. In simpler terms, I'm asking for a list of fines issued within the date range with all confidential information removed in accordance with your procedures, right? Um, I also wasn't sure like if I'm just allowed to reply to things like that because they just like said, here it is, right? So I just said, you know, in consideration of your resources and being new to this process, I'm not sure if it's appropriate for me to submit a new request instead of directly replying to this email. And if this is the preferred course of action, please guide me. So that's the text from my FOIA. Um, as this was my first time, I decided to reach out to the Office of the Attorney General and gauge whether my follow-up <laughs> request was... I was, I was going to say, did you reach out to anyone beforehand with advice for this? Well, basically, right after I sent my email, I called the attorney general and they agreed. I forwarded them 
what I said, and they agreed what I was asking for uh, was a reasonable request. He was like, yeah, I mean, this is, this seems reasonable. I get where you're coming from. And he actually seemed pretty interested in it. Um, and he actually even told me uh, that he's, so I don't want to say quote, because it's been so long that I wouldn't be able to give you an accurate quote, but he told me something along the lines of, he's very interested in the subject matter of my request. <laughs> so the people at the office of the attorney general are cool. It seems. Um, yeah. Stoners look at stoners look out for each other. <laughs> yeah. He did make it clear that he's never encountered this particular aspect of the law. He's pretty, he said at that point, he's like, I'm going to ask, you know, people around here, but I'm pretty sure we've never like, kick the corners on this part of the law what do you mean uh, well which law well you know like freedom of information stuff or um i the impression i got is like you know i think they were alluding to the fact that you know they've they've pressed for cultivator information in the past and obviously that went the way it went what we were referring to earlier with the chicago tribune where they were like no and then they had to go to court about it I think I think that's what he's referring to, but right, yeah. I, I didn't ask him specifically. He did, but that would I did, make sense. Yeah, right. He, but he did say like specifically this this whole consent order process. They had never, they've never even like done anything about fines and stuff. Is more particularly what he was talking about. If that answers your question, <laughs> like. Like no one had ever tried to get that information. Right. Nope. Yeah. So they like wouldn't really know what to do. Yeah. No, they didn't know what to do. And then frankly, folks. Like, with, like really. Wait, I just want to add like, so these people who might have had these fines scrubbed from their record, they might have not had like a real idea of whether or not they could turn that information over or not. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like the fine is now confidential, but it's like, can you still get the record of it having existed at some point? And this is what this is going to come down to. And actually, this is that's that they actually make an argument about that. So that what you're talking about right now is what that we're going to end up circling that drain. It's funny that that's where you went. Um, and I can't remember what I was gonna say but i just want to say that it was very interesting to have done that i was kind of nervous i'm like the attorney general like who the fuck i'm calling the like i don't know it just felt weird well, i was gonna say i'm kind of surprised you didn't because like i was just listening to this guy ben jarovsky he's like a chicago journalist um and he'll have there's this guy i think his name is mick dumpke i think he works for he works at block club as like an investigative journalist, but he does a lot of like FOIA requests about mm. stuff. And I was just listening to this podcast that they were talking about. And actually it was about alderman salaries in Chicago. And he was trying to get like what their salaries were and what they were like projected to be. Cause they're tacked to inflation now. But uh, either way, the story became how hard it was to get the information. The story, like they started out wanting to just get this basic information and then the whole story and what they talked about 
was just how hard it is to FOIA information in this state. Like the response of government officials in Illinois and Chicago, and I'm sure Springfield and Champaign and all these other municipalities is just no. Yeah. Like a- anything that like, that's what I was saying. Like they play games. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, Oh, well, you know, you didn't ask for like the specific thing. So I know I can say this is just too general, even though I know what you're really asking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. And again, I felt I felt that a little bit during this process. I'm not going to say I felt like they played games with me a lot. I actually I was very. But surprised. If, if you're going to do this again, I feel like you should maybe like get in touch with just oh. a reporter like you've talked to before, maybe even someone you have a relationship with and just get a couple pointers about because you could probably make it just easier for yourself, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Not only that, but now that I know that I can reach out to the office of the attorney general and the way, like how helpful they were like, Oh, that too. Yeah. You know, like I, I didn't realize, and that's why I didn't reach out to them until I sent this message, you know? And he was like, Oh dude, he's like, um, this is what we do. Cause I was worried like I would have to like pay for something. Like this is the whole time I'm doing this entire process. I'm just worried that somebody's going to ask me to pay for something, you know? Isn't like, that so uh, just par for the course in this country though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you just assume if you're asking government for anything, it's going to cost you something. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's straight up. I was just worried. Even just like bait, even just information, you know? Yeah. And so I was just like, every time I preface, like I call, I'm like, Hey, I'm asking for this, but like, let me know if this is going to cost me any money. Cause like that is, you know, like that's kind of the. Well, yeah. you would think even if you submitted a FOIA and it was going to cost money, they wouldn't just like produce the information and be like, here's your bill. That would be insane. Right. They'd probably make you pay first. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Then you'd be like, fuck you. I pan. I'm just, I would just start submitting FOIAs under like false identities at that point. <laughs> yeah. So this is where you could maybe say that games are being played on September 29th. IDOA declined my inquiry. Uh, they said that, you know, my lit, my request for fines rendered through the confidential, um, rendered confidential through the consent order process was denied. They you know, listed the whole statutory reason. And if I'd like to challenge this, I, I could. And again, this came off of my phone call with the office of the attorney general. They told me that if they deny this to reach out and that it, they reassured me, they addressed all the concerns I just aired to you, Phil. They reassured me that Cole, it's absolutely free to, employ our services and we think you have a valid case here um so if they deny you let's move forward all you have to do is they said forward me their denial say that you'd like to have them submit a formal case and that's how we'd move forward so um i contacted the office of the attorney general just to seek their perspective on the denial just before i forwarded it to them and uh, they suggested that I should proceed, but to think about it, and if I wish to proceed, I should respond to their email to signal my intent. Again, during the call, they conveyed that it appeared I had a valid case, and there was 
a reasonable chance of obtaining the uh, requested data, although they emphasized they could not offer no assurance due to their lack of experience within uh, this specific type of <laughs> But they did, and I made sure. I'm like, do you get where I'm coming from? Like, I'm looking for just, I don't care who it was. Just black it out. Tell me what they were fined for and how much. And so I requested them to open a file and proceed with my request. And they confirmed they would be doing so on October 12th. And this is where things get a little crazy. It's kind of weird to see like the office of the attorney general send a letter with my name on it. Um, yeah, the office of the attorney general initiated contact with the Illinois Department of Agriculture. They basically sent them this letter and said, hey, you know, Cole Preston requested this on September 22nd. They kind of gave their recap of it as they see it. They included all my emails. So you can check this out. Um, and they basically said, please provide this office with a copy with copies of the withheld records for our confidential review, along with a detailed legal and factual explanation for the department's assertion that the records are exempt. In your response, please explain how the provision specifically prohibits the disclosure of anonymized fines issued to cannabis cultivars. I think they meant cultivators. Um, please also address. I think what's funny is that they um, <laughs> say, if you claim that any portion of your written response is confidential, please send two versions of your response letter, a complete copy for the office's confidential review and a redacted version suitable for this office to forward to the measly requester. I'm joking. It doesn't say that. It says uh, to forward to the requester. Um, so, so yeah, that is basically what they requested from the Department of Agriculture and Phil. This is where you could maybe say, like, it's like, all right, what's going on here? Um, on October 23rd, IDOA sent me an email and they said, upon further consideration, the department will fulfill your request for a list of fines rendered order process in an anonymized <laughs> format issued between January 1st, 2020 and August 15th, 2023. You will find attached a redacted copy of the fine log for consent orders. Confidential information has been redacted. Below is the information they provided me. What do you think we're going to see, Phil? You think it's going to be nothing. a big list? It's going to be nothing. It's going to be all blacked out. Like, what do you, but do you think like a lot of cultivators, what do you, like, what do you think's the over under on uh, how many cultivators take advantage of this process through my, uh, the date? And you, uh, reminding folks, this is the first day of adult use sales to what was modern day when I submitted I this. I don't. Report. I don't think the state probably does that great job overseeing everything. So I'm going to say it's not going to be that huge. Okay. <laughs> You'd be right. I was provided with two records. That's right? what they held back from me. <laughs> so let's blow this up. So um, it's interesting. They won't tell you what it was for. Right. Do those totals match up with anything on the other table? So that's why I, uh, yeah, I was mentioning that earlier. So 
you know, you look at 10,000, right? And it's interesting, this is the adjusted total. So ultimately, they only paid 8,000. You could also probably go by the length of those black spaces on the cultivation center. Maybe. Like, at least to get a rough idea, you wouldn't be able to be certain, but. Sure, sure. Um, so just to look back up here, though, you know, you don't only you only see 10,000 here on this pesticide thing from Verano and it's violation three. I don't know what that means, but it's the least, you know, it's well, I don't mean to say it's the least heavy fine, but it's not as heavy. Um, but yeah, I don't see any other, you know, 8,000 it's unsecured door. So maybe. Maybe they it was ten thousand for a big door. I don't know. Like that's the thing. We're left to guess here because they just won't say. And this is where it ultimately gets down to. I don't think this is sufficient, and I ultimately argue this. I don't think this is sufficient. I want to see this. Right? Why can't yeah. you tell me? You don't have to tell me this. Um. So. So. I also like that they reduced the one fine from 10,000 to 8,000. Yeah, you notice that. Yeah. Now, here, I want to put this out there. I think I've been told that financial data, just going to plant this seed, is among the easiest to FOIA in the state. You have a specific date paid, you have an amount. FOIA, who paid the department on these dates? And if it's a cannabis company, well, you might have <laughs> you might have your offender. I mean, that would be pretty good, wouldn't it? Um, I, so, I don't see why that wouldn't plausibly work. I've been told that it that yeah, exactly. It's probably a really You're good. Like, I've been I've been told that it would work. Yeah, yeah, no, it should. It should. <laughs> But I wouldn't be surprised them to. I would not be surprised for them to somehow argue that it's. I don't like know. I'm, I'm really glad we're like talking through this whole process because, like, I do think this is something more people should understand. Yeah. Like, it's not just journalists that can do this shit. Like, if you're interested in something and it's a public policy issue, like, you can FOIA stuff. Like yeah. I, I don't know who you'd go who you'd take it to if you wanted to make it like a story if you don't have some platform of your own or something, but like you know, you can do this. <laughs> like this is for all citizens. You just have to think like how politicians would act if if like just five percent of the population was like regularly submitting FOIAs. <laughs> right. Right. Like, and just knowing there's like a little percent that's got eyes on all their communication. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thank you for making that point because that is why I wanted to step through this with you because I easily could have just, you know, released this report and done my own little like thing or whatever. But I wanted to step through this with you because I figured not only you'd pick up on that, but yeah, I, I like. I like the value of showing people that like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, but the office of the attorney well, it's general, interesting. you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And that you can reach out to someone like the office of the attorney general to like get help with an issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Exactly. So yeah, it's, I hope this information is helpful to somebody, even if you're not going to look it up in the context of cannabis. But I will say that I asked the office of the attorney general people I spoke to, um, not the not the specific individual, by the way, uh, the person that ended up helping me it looks like her name is uh, Laura. She was really cool as well. But this is not the person that I spoke to. And they said they were very interested in the subject matter. That was, if you recall, I was saying he in that context, it was a, another person. Um, but I will say so you're that, saying Laura is not the confirmed stoner in the office of the attorney general office. Correct. I didn't want anybody to put that. I didn't want anybody to assume that. Um, I wanted to make that clear. However, I do want to say that the office of the attorney general, I did kind of candidly ask, I mean, is this one of your like better requests? Like you're not like yawning at this request, like Jesus Christ, like why do they even want this data? You know what I mean? Like I've got, I got to figure that sometimes they get requests where it's like, why are you even looking for this? So I asked, I was like, is this like a cool, like, is this like a cool request to get? And they're like, yeah, I mean, this is like pretty cool. Like I, you know, I don't usually look at this stuff. So yeah, it's gotta be pretty to... boring. It's gotta be pretty boring most of the time. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So before this time, Phil learning from my uh, mistakes, I, not mistakes, but just learning from my experience. I sent the office of the AG an email before I responded to the Department of Ag because I didn't find this sufficient. And I said, do you think that we might be able to get the violation description? You know, like they redacted that. And I just, to me, it seems that shouldn't be an issue if they withhold the name. This would give me a complete view of the type of fines they issue against licensed well, entities. And it seems like you could do that thing that we just did and be like, you know, these seems like they have, like, it seems like they have specific fine amounts. Like giving me the amount is almost kind of telling me what the fine is. <laughs> True. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder did they, no, they didn't list the actual, like, because in the first one, they listed the actual like part of the law that they violated. Mm. But yeah, yeah. They didn't have that in this one. So, so, um, I spoke to them on the phone after I sent this email. They asked me to hop on the phone and, um, she said she's going to look into this and kind of explore potential solutions, but she, told me that she got the feeling that they might maintain their position pretty firmly. And uh, sh the department's concern, she told me, revolved around the possibility that disclosing that information could inadvertently expose sensitive details about the charged entity, potentially compromising the confidentiality that was originally intended to be guaranteed. In essence, from what I could gather, they seem to argue that providing further detail could risk revealing compromising Like In other words, like if they say it was a, let's just, I, you know, I hate to use Barano, oh, it's but gonna it, be, it's gonna It's going to be so fun to come back to them when you've gotten the information of who paid them that amount on that day and say, hey, I actually know who this is now. So can I just have what they were fined for? <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy um but I, well that that would be the next step right right 
no matter how you got the information once you got it. But let's say that it said just to complete like where I think they're coming from. Let's say that it said, I'm just going to use Verona because it was just comedy that this is what they got charged for, right? Application of pesticides after the red, after the vegetative stage of growth. Let's say that they gave me that information, right? One could argue that somebody could reach out to me and say like, hey, I worked there. And, like, in other words, I could put two and two together and figure out who it was. And to their point, that it that did happen. When I published this story, I was told, and folks, take for this for what it's worth. I was told that this Verano thing, they could have been charged with so much more. That's what I was told by somebody who worked there. Like, that they got off easy with this. And that's a pretty hefty fine in my opinion it's just yeah, that's like inter- that's that's interesting but but i'm putting that out there by, by like someone who like supposedly former worked there correct i heard that from somebody who alleged to have worked there and the reason i bring up that point is not to like be like there's more to the story uh that's i mean it's fun to share more but that's all those are all allegations and such the reason i bring that up is again I think the reason they're denying me is because if they say on 1-25-2022 that there was a, uh, a door left open and then somebody sends me a picture of a door that was you know taken on 1-25-2022, they could say, oh, this is the facility. And then I know. Like, that's what I think they're trying to say, right? Yeah, for sure. So, um. My contact, so the, again, they that, that's what they were arguing. My contact said, uh, Laura, she said that she thinks the department's going to remain firm. Um, she followed up with me and confirmed that IDOA had decided to stand firm, maintaining their refusal to provide additional information. I then requested the attorney, uh, the office of the attorney general to provide me with a written response summarizing the final outcome of this matter. Additionally, I asked them to explicitly mention in their response whether they had previously encountered this aspect of the law. Their response is below, which effectively marked the beginning of the end of this matter. I get a a formal notice of the end, Um, but you can see that um, Mr. McGee, who works for the Cannabis Council for the department, stated that the department maintains the violation description entries on the redacted fine log are exempt. For context, McGee explained that when the department determines that a licensee has violated a law or regulation, it may resolve the matter by issuing a consent to administrative supervision order. Right? So there's a little bit more explanation on just how I guess this works. And I think this is probably the first time this has like really been, I don't know, I've never seen it discussed really, maybe because it never has needed to be discussed. But um, as you can see, I agreed that the violation descriptions are quote regarding the consent administrative supervision order. She asked me if I agreed. I said, sure. 
it appears that this matter is resolved. If either of you have concerns or would like to add or clarify, clarify anything. And then the final note, as I requested, I request, I requested that they um, look if they've ever issued any determinations interpreting this part of the law. Her search indicates they've not ever interpreted this regulation before in the past. So the comprehensive study, uh, <laughs> comprehensive study, comprehensive summary of the entire situation um, and, you know, formal notice of closure of my case can be found at the bottom of the report. They kind of uh, recap everything. And uh, it's kind of cool to see this, you know, they, they explain the back and forth, how, Office of the Attorney General relayed this information via telephone. I indicated I agreed. And on October 27th, they stated the matter appeared to be resolved. They hadn't received any correspondence indicating that there are remaining concerns. Accordingly, this file is closed. Knowing that, that they do this summary in the future, you should like uh, say something on the phone like he insisted on the statement home grow for all being included in the concluding <laughs> report <laughs> that would be yeah. he insisted okay. we say remove all possession limits in this report <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> I should have like a few a few of those lines at the ready. He, I insist that you include this. <laughs> I can provide this statement in writing. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, anyways, you know, just to close, that's that's all we have. And thank you again, Phil, for being willing to hop on and talk through this with me because I do think there's a lot. Yeah, of that was fascinating. It make, makes me want to FOIA some stuff. Dude, let's do it. That's and people, if you if you start foying the state, even if it's not about cannabis, that's you know here at the call memo, we I'm going to be talking about more than just cannabis. We'll talk about any drug, but any anything else. You know, if you find some interesting information, like Phil was talking about alder aldermen and stuff like that, anything, you know, reach out. And if I can help at all, again, this was my first few times through it, so obviously I don't know much about it. But if I can impart any wisdom, uh, I would be happy to try to help. Um, anyways, though, you know, isn't it kind of funny just to kind of I want to put a final cap on this. Isn't it really hilarious that after all of that effort, they turned over those two fines? Like, why not just why not just include that at the onset? Like, it's two. Like, you made it very clear you weren't including them. Like, and it it just imbued this sense of mystery for me. Like, ooh, there's this consent to order process, and there must be a lot of fines that are confidential. And maybe that's just me, you know, always being the way that I am. But to me, it's just like, why not just like be up front? It's like it's fucking two, you know. Well, because the tendency is like towards secrecy, right? Yeah, the tendency is like to keep that stuff confidential, not turn information over, put up walls. I don't know if that's just like an Illinois thing. <laughs> I mean, Mike Fouché talked about that, right? Yeah, true. 
Like, and I think he did say, like, you know, there's other states like this too, but like Illinois is like just like they make it really hard to get information. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. It's like Yeah. It'd be a, it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall in a FOIA officer's office, you know, just hear like, ah, oh, what does this guy want? You know? <clears throat> Yeah, and like, what is that tendency towards secrecy about? Like, you would assume it's just got to be like a cultural thing, you know, that's like passed down. Yeah. Through like workplace culture type thing. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, it'd be an interesting job to like, it'd be so hard to interview any of them because, you know, while they're serving, they probably wouldn't want to do an interview, but you got to, wonder what type of job it's like because technically you're not really like as the FOIA officer you're supposed to be like in my opinion I don't know anything about this again it's not like I'm some expert but would you agree that just wait does every does every does every department have a FOIA officer or is there like once and I think most institutions I might be speaking out of term here but I think like there's like someone who's like handling the FOIA stuff Bingo. Yeah. It's like the yeah, idea. That, okay. Yeah. So you, you think that like my understanding of that role traditionally is that sure they have some bias cause they work for the entity, but for the most part, they're supposed to be like as close to a neutral source you can get. Like they have to like, you know, be like, Oh yeah, you're looking for that. Here you go. You know, like that's what you'd think that that role. Would be. <laughs> but they but, work there too. Don't they? Yeah, that's so. the thing. <laughs> that's what I think the deal is. It's like you'll eat, eat lunch with these people. They're like, hey, man, just shut the fuck up <laughs> type of thing. Well, that's what I'm saying about like workplace culture. It's like, you know, the government, like Illinois government is just one big company kind of, you know, like. Yeah. All companies have their like company culture. And I, I, that's just how I always have perceived it. It's like Illinois is just very like secretive, corrupt. Insider dealy. Yeah. Yeah. Get a job at another consulting firm for a few years before you go to back to the cannabis company. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that, you know, and that could trickle down just to, yeah, FOIA requests like this. You know, you put up walls and play games just because everyone else does and you want to kind of like advance along in your career in government. Yeah. Yeah. Straight yeah, that up. was uh that was very fascinating though. Yeah. Yeah, thank you again for uh joining and thank thank you folks for listening if you've listened this far. Um yeah, I'm really interested to see. I hope that and I'm glad you said what you said. I hope that it inspires people that like you can do this and like you, you know. It's if you want to know something like you can ask a question, the worst they're going to tell you is no, as you've seen through this request, they're not going to come and like arrest you for asking a question, (laughs) you know? Well, maybe, maybe some questions. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Let us know. I'm sure someone, I'm sure someone could think of one to get arrested for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's not challenge our audience. That's funny. Well, um, 
anyways, Phil, before we go, any any final thoughts on that entire debacle, or do you think we covered it? We should think of more fun stuff to FOIA. Oh, yeah. You already know that this is like, this is a very interesting learning experience. It's got to be the first of many. So it is interesting, though, because like one thing I, uh, I remember hearing is like, like, like smart people in government who are like doing stuff, you just don't put shit in writing. You know, so like you can only really FOIA stuff that's like in writing. Right. And that's, <laughs> I will say that uh, you actually reminded me of something I was going to say earlier. I have heard that that culture already exists in some of these departments where they're like, hey, don't write that in email. Like, if you got to say something about that, like, come yeah. down to my office mm-hmm. and talk to me about it because then that's not FOIAable, <laughs> for lack of better words. It's not, a, it's not subject yeah, to FOIA. Yeah, it's not like, and or, I, and or any worry, other government oversight. Yeah. Right. This is my worry about doing this it's like on one hand the public needs to know that you can do this on the other hand i hate that the state of illinois does seem to watch this fucking podcast and so now they're gonna be like hey like definitely don't fucking put shit in writing anymore because now this motherfucker's snooping around and all his fucking they, they are they already know yeah yeah, yeah they know no, but they i mean it further be... I, I i'm worried that it further instills that you know is it's my is my thing i hate that it's like by making this more public, it's like we're we're advancing that type of culture where they're going to just say all verbal stuff, you know? Yeah, but I still feel like if you like think of the right, like there's still bound to be interesting records. Like yeah, things I mean, like that these fucking have fun. to be things that have to be recorded or, you know. Well, to your point, dude, I feel like now that I've established the precedent and I'm publishing that they can turn over a list of fines, albeit very redacted. Now you going forward, somebody knows that and they can, you know, if they want to continue to FOIA this, they can get the list that I got and they could also say, Hey, you know, as evidenced by complete requests by the Cole memo, I'd like to request well, this. And- I think partially that list of like, there's so few operators in the state at this point, that list is super small right now. Like you can picture a time like 10 years from now, right. It's not going to be like a tiny list anymore. You know, I, uh-huh. mean, I don't even know if we'll have people growing weed in the state anymore at that point, but yeah, no, but that's exactly <laughs> the spirit of that is. Thank you for saying that. That's exactly the spirit of what I was trying to say is like, now we've established the precedent that, that you you know yeah it, you can't get much but yeah like you say if there's going to be more cultivators or whatever um in the state of illinois in a day you know in 10 years or something you could request this type of list and uh you should be able to get it like, i don't know why you wouldn't be able unless they write something new in the law where you can't do that i don't know i wouldn't um, doubt it <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. entire cannabis industry not subject to foia because it's right. still schedule it's still schedule one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. So well man, that was uh that was cool. So I'm excited to finally release that. And as I hinted, folks, uh I have another FOIA request that I will be making an article about. Um it's another subject that Phil and I have talked about on the uh 
on the podcast, but it's not been published like uh, publicly yet. It's only been published for our patrons. So there's, there's a spoiler if you really want to dig. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's more to come, I guess is what I'm trying to say on closing. And I don't know that I'm going to do this type of thing all the time. Articles are not really my thing. I don't consider myself much of a writer, uh, but I do like the opportunity that the format presents for lack of better words. Like, I think it's cool to be able to put that shit in writing, you know, and point to that for people. Mm-hmm. So, it's, you know, not everybody watches the podcast and that's okay. So now there's an article. Anyways. Um, well, cool. Phil, uh, we will say goodbye to the audience and I, yeah, we'll see y'all soon. Thank you so much for listening to our, uh, ramblings and please uh support us um you know subscribe to the show share it with your friends submit your own foyas do all that stuff (laughs) so take care everybody